Hey, this series, uh, long story short, it's one of my favorite series that we do around here, and here's what it's all about. It's all about this statement right here. You have a story, your story matters, so share it. Those of you who've been here for a little while, you know what's about to happen. Choose a neighbor. Choose someone you're sitting next to right now. Hopefully, if there's like someone sitting and you got your best friend on one side and your boo on the other side, this is, this is, a, this is a big moment for you. Make your decision. All right, look at your neighbor. Look him, look him square in the eyes, right in the face. Tell him you're so beautiful. <laughs> now tell him you have a story. Your story matters. So share it. Now look at your other neighbor and tell him, yeah, you too. <laughs> Dang. Splitting up relationships since 2015. Let's go. I'm just kidding. Hey, here's the reality. Everyone in this room, you have a story. And here's what the Bible says about your, your story. I don't know what you believe about the Bible, whether you believe uh, in the Bible or you don't. Here we believe that the Bible is the inspired, flawless word of God, and it is the standard for our life. And here's what the Bible says about your story. It says in Revelation that they, the people of God, they overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb. That, that's just some like really fancy terminology for the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross, and the word of their testimony. That's their story. Man, here's how we overcome the enemy and everything he throws at us in our life. By the blood of the lamb and by our story. That's how. But here's the thing about the, the key word in that verse is the word of our testimony. Everyone say word. Now say it less white, please. Say word. There we go. Now we're talking. Let's go, people. Come on. Like, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're going somewhere tonight. Get, stay with me. Be the, my, Eli, I love you, bro. Sporting the Lakers. Sure, you see the new, you see the new, uh, this is like a public setting, but a private moment. You see the new promo, the promo pictures with everyone, and it's like LeBron and the kids. <laughs> it's like, come on, man, like, what's going on? These, they're like teenagers compared to you, brother. Uh, anyways, so when is he going to get to the Word of God? It's not my job tonight. It's our preacher's job tonight. You have a story. And though there's been now tonight, there'll be eight people who share their story on this platform. You have a platform of your own that you need to share your story from. That platform might be social media. It might be a school club. It might be a sports team. It might be your friends. For some of you, your greatest platform is when you go home tonight, you will be with a family that does not know Jesus. And that is your greatest platform. Go home and share your story. Don't assume that the people in your world and in your life know your story. Not everybody does. Share your story because that's how we overcome the enemy. That's how we bring light into a dark world. And how many know, man, our world needs some light nowadays. Man, every time I go on social media, it's just nothing but darkness, nothing but darkness. Turn on the news, it's nothing but darkness. But through sharing our stories, we can bring hope and light to this world. Amen? Oh, come on, amen? And we're going to get it tonight because uh, for those of you who are ladies and you're like, I, like, I don't know, I want to see a lady preacher on stage. Well, number one, you should have been here last week. And number two, you're about to see one right now. Um, this young lady is this young lady is phenomenal in so many different ways, and I could brag on her and brag on her and brag on her. Um, but one of the things that I love about this young lady is it seems like um, here's here's one of the hardest things about youth ministry: seeing massive potential in young people and then seeing them take that potential and throw it away. And I've seen so many young people do that, and the word that I would use of how they throw it away is they compromise. They give in to uh, the pressures and the temptations of the world and they compromise. Yet I've seen over the last two and a half years that my wife and I have been pastoring here at the church, I've seen this young lady like walk out her faith with zero compromise. And to me, to me as a 29-year-old pastor, it's inspiring to see this young lady who is, how, how old is she? 16 years old, I was going to say 15, but I was like, that's not right. 16 years old, having no compromise in her walk, unashamedly, like walking out her faith and making zero apologies for it. One thing that I see nowadays with Christians is Christians will be like, yeah, like I'm a Christian. Oh, sorry. Like what? 
for like there's, there's no apology from this young lady and how she walks out her faith. And to me, it's just so inspiring. It's so encouraging. So here's what I want you to do. She's already got her journal up here. Her notes are ready to go. Pull out your journals. Pull out your diaries. Pull out your is there notebooks, whatever you want to call it. This one just says thoughts. T h o u, g, h t s. So that we're all clear on what's on the inside of that book. <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> Pull out, if you, don't have, if you don't have something to write on, pull out your cell phone, put it on airplane mode, and open your notes out. Because I promise you this, I've, I, like, of everybody through this series, I've read through this young lady's notes more than anybody else. And there's some stuff you're about to want to write down. Do me a favor, don't, for the next handful of minutes, don't talk to the person next to you unless you're saying, man, that's good. And like, you hear something that's for your neighbor, just remind them, hey, that's for you. Like, listen up, this is for you. It's for me too. I'm not trying to judge you, but I'm saying like, it's for both of us, okay? Like, lean in, don't miss this moment, because I promise you some stuff's about to be spoken that will encourage and inspire your life. Amen? Hey, do me a favor. Put your hands together, make some noise for the one and only Chandler. Thanks, guys. I love you guys. Um, Thank you for having me tonight. For those of you who didn't catch it, or maybe I haven't met you yet, my name is Chandler. Um, I am 16 years old, not 15, but you know, okay. <laughs> um, a little bit about me, I'm a junior in high school. I go to Calvary Marietta, class of 2020. Woo! Um, I'm also the baby of my family. And I would like to um, dispel the myth that um, the youngest kids get everything they want. Like. I'm sorry, um, in my childhood, my sister literally dominated our playroom. I will have you know, there was, she would pull the, if you don't give me that toy, I'm not gonna play with you. I was like, please take it, take the Barbies, take the mansion, whatever. And my mom would walk in the playroom and be like, McKenna, why does Chandler have like a box and you have like the mansion and the cruise ship and all of your new toys? But you know, we're past that, thankfully. <laughs> and. Um, I consider my family my greatest blessing in life, to be able to serve um, alongside a family that loves Jesus and just supports me and what he puts on my heart is incredible, so thank you guys. Um, diving right in, while I was praying about what part of my story God wanted me to share with you guys tonight, he gave me this scripture. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Isaiah 25, 1? And that says, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your holy name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things that you've planned long ago. Um, a big part of my story has to do with my family. Like I said, it's just McKenna and my parents and I in my house. But both of my parents come from a household of six children each. And yeah, I know someone said, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a crazy big family, and I love them all so much. But a little bit of backstory, my dad's parents, um, when he was growing up, they experienced a divorce, um, which resulted in his mom kind of caring for all six of the children, which resulted in her working super weird shifts. So when they got home from school, she was already gone at work. And by the time they woke up, she just wasn't back yet. So they never really saw her. They never really had any parental guidance, any parental figures, which resulted in just a ton of um, freedom, I guess, and temptations came because they didn't have anybody um, to really show them the way. And kind of the same, my mom, both of her parents worked full-time jobs to provide for how many people were in their house. So again, they were left to kind of raise themselves. Fast forward back to now, I have a family member currently in their eighth marriage um, and another family member who is currently planning their fourth wedding. I have an aunt currently expecting her second child from a different man that, than the father of her first child, neither of whom she's been married to, although she was married and divorced, and all of this has happened in a period of eight years. Um, I have a family member who currently makes his living um, selling drugs, and which he got into when he was really young, and because of that decision, 
he led another family member of mine um, into addiction and is now permanently mentally like handicapped, you could say because of that. And I want you guys to know, I'm not saying this from a place of judgment. I love my family so much. They're, they're everything to me. But a big part of your story is where you come from. So I'm saying this out of transparency so you guys can see really where I come from. And my story would look completely different if while growing up, either of my parents had made the decisions that their siblings were making. But because my parents had the audacity to say no, I get to live a life that's different than the ones that they had to live. You see, they paved the way for me, and now I'm able to pave the way for others. So I ask you this, who are you paving the way for? With the decisions you make, who, who do you pave the way for? Um, and I don't know what situations you're in, I don't know what your life looks like. I know that there are some crazy messed up situations out there, maybe you made a choice and now you're living out the consequences of that. Maybe somebody around you made a decision and that affected your life. But can I tell you that my life is living proof that just because it's what the world around you might look like, it's not what your world has to look like. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that I've had any more struggles than a single person in this room, not in the slightest. Um, my parents really have paved the way for me a lot, but it's always been a choice. Um, there's been a lot of times in my life where I could have compromised, where I had to look in the face of a decision and say, no, you're not worth the consequences you'll bring. But can I tell you, in that moment, that was the hardest thing, to not say yes. But can I tell you, the hardest no now it can pave the way for a lifetime of you living out the plan that God has for you. All it takes is one no now. So I encourage you in a world that is saying yes to literally everything, anything and everything passes, have the audacity to say no. As a person, um, I've always been super logical. I kind of think three things a lot. Uh, for example, maybe like two weekends ago, I don't know, it was a Saturday morning and I wake up and I know I have like all these chores I have to do. So I'm like, okay, I have to clean my turtles and I have to clean my bathroom and I have to vacuum and wait, wait, okay. So I'm gonna wake up and then I'm gonna wash my face first. No, change, I'll change, then wash my face and then I'll clean my turtles and then I'll clean my bathroom because if I clean the bathroom and then the turtles, I'm gonna make a mess of the bathroom and then I'll have to clean it again. So face, turtles, bathroom, and then I know I have to do the laundry and I have to do my wash. So if I throw the laundry in the wash while I vacuum, by the time I'm done vacuuming, the laundry will be done, right? And I've literally got like three hours of chores planned out in my head and I'm not out of bed yet. And like, that's the way I live my life is just kind of like, I think things through a lot. And can I tell you the enemy really has used this against me because I can look in the face of a decision and I'm like, no, you're not worth it because I see the consequences that are gonna follow, but all my friends are out having a good time and all of my friends are gonna have memories that I'm not even a part of. But can I tell you that was the biggest lie I've ever believed because it was a quality of strength that God gave me and the enemy simply distorted it to make it seem like everybody else has something I didn't. But. <laughs> You guys, God was preserving me for my future, but because of where I was, all I could see was the present that I wasn't a part of. And that's a really dangerous place to be because the decisions you make now have so much of an effect on your future. And sometimes we don't even realize that. Hebrews 11.25 tells us that sin is fleeting. So yeah, I mean, it might be fun, but only for a season. And is the season that you're in now, is the fun worth it now for this season, if in the next season you're gonna pay the consequences for it? If in the next season the people around you have to suffer because of that choice you made? If my parents had made those decisions then, I would be the one with a parent getting a divorce. I would be the one with a different father than all of my siblings. 
But John 8.44 calls Satan a liar and the father of lies. God has placed qualities inside of you that reflect him the most, and Satan will do anything he can to get you off track, to distort those qualities and make it seem like the world around you has something that you don't. But can I tell you, you guys, that's so backwards, that's completely flipped. You have something that the rest of the world doesn't. You have exactly what they're looking for. Because the world out here is, they're looking for fulfillment, but you already have fulfillment. They're looking to fill a void, but you don't even have a void because you know what your Heavenly Father says about you. They're looking for validation from peers, from affection from boys, from affection of girls, but you don't need that validation. You don't need that affection because you have a Heavenly Father that says you're more precious to me than anything. And I know that, um, that not all of you have been given the opportunity to be raised in church. Um, for some of you, you have. For some of you, your story might look a little bit like mine, where you never really stepped away from your faith. It's just been this progression of your relationship with God. And can I tell you, that's such a blessing, you guys. I've spent years of my life, like, sulking about, oh, well, they have something I don't. Can I tell you, don't waste your time because the things that you're missing out on now are the things that bring you to your knees later on. And for those of you who didn't have that opportunity to grow up in church, be the generation that starts to have the audacity to say no. Be the no that allows your kids to grow up having the life you've always wanted. Be the no that allows your kids to know what parents who love each other look like, to know what their Heavenly Father says about them, to know, to know what a healthy family looks like. It starts with you. You get to be the change that you've always wanted to see. And that's an incredible place to be, you guys. Um, I know like growing up in church, and for some of you, maybe it might seem like the people that are out in the world and then they come to Christ have a more powerful story than you do. Um, and don't get me wrong, it's completely radical to see God just completely transform somebody and use their mistakes for his glory. But just because you're raised in a church, it doesn't mean you have any less of a testimony. Just because you're pure, it doesn't make you not have a testimony. Just because you're sober, it doesn't make you have less of a testimony. Just because you're not doing drugs, because you're not sleeping around, it doesn't mean you have any less of a testimony. Because the most encouraging thing to somebody that's lost in the world is looking and saying, wow, you know, they look different. What did they have? Because, you know, I'm getting all the girls, but they look so much more fulfilled than I do. You know, he's captain of the football team, but I don't see him at the parties I go to. What does he have that I don't? Um, if you guys know Pastor Elliot, I'm sure you've heard him say the phrase that solution to every problem and every person is Jesus. Don't apologize for figuring that out early in life. And if you've been given that opportunity to grow up knowing that truth and having that early in life, you guys grasp onto that. Be the second generation that says no. Be the third, be the fourth generation that says no. Because with that, there's so much blessing. There's incredible significance in having the power to look at what the Satan is trying to tempt you with and say no to it. Um, if there's been a time where you guys have given into a temptation, we've all been there. I can tell you that not a single person in this room, not a single leader in this room has had the strength to look at every single decision and have the audacity to say no. We've all fallen into that yes at one time or another. But can I tell you, you can let that go. Maybe as I've been speaking, there's something on your heart, a regret, a decision you know you shouldn't have made. And it might just be eating you up and you're saying, I'm ready to let that go. You have that opportunity. You don't need to hold on to that anymore. But can I tell you this, repentance doesn't mean repetition. We serve a God of limitless grace. So our sin, we, we try to justify it like, oh, if I mess up, God will still forgive me. Oh, I can keep doing this because 
there's not a place I can go where God won't love me. Yes, that's true. Romans 8.39 says, Neither height nor depth nor anything in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. And that's true. His love covers every sin. There's not a mistake that you've made that he's like, oh, sorry, that was the last straw. There's not one temptation you've given into that he doesn't have grace for. But if you're going to let it go, can I encourage you to let it go fully? Don't grasp back onto that. Just let it go. Because Psalms 103.12 tells us that as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. If you've been around in this series, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, give God the pen of your life. And that's an incredibly powerful statement. I was talking with my aunt um, over the weekend and she told me, you know, when you give God that pen, it's not just your story that changes, it's the author. And that's so true because yes, the chapters over here are gonna look a whole lot different than the one God's writing over here because the decisions that we make are way different than the grace that God has for us and the plans that he has for us. But can I tell you, it's not just the content of your story that's gonna look different. It's not just how your life looks from this moment forward that looks different. It's the perspective that you see your life through. Instead of looking, oh, I really screwed up. I really missed the mark on that one. It's, wow, it's okay. This is a new opportunity. You know what, we're just gonna flip the page. You know. You did miss the mark, but that's okay. Because that's exactly why I'm here, to pick you up again. You don't have the strength, but I do. And when we see our life through his perspective, we lose the need for that validation from our peers. We lose that void. Because what God wants to say about you, you already know. So I encourage you guys, instead of trying to grip onto that pen and write every page so perfect, all you have to do is simply open your hand and let him start writing because the plans that he has for you are so much more incredible and beautiful than you can ever even imagine because in perfect faithfulness he has done wonderful things things that he planned long ago long story short god's been planning my story a long time and he has wonderful things in store for me all it takes is the audacity to say no when the rest of the world is saying yes. Will you guys bow your heads with me? Thank you, God, for just these incredible stories that you've given us. God, I pray that your grace just covers our every mistake and that we come to know your love more deeply tonight than we ever have before. I pray that you just reveal yourself in in ways to us that we understand. Father God, I pray that you use Tyler and his story just to speak to every person in this room, God. And I pray that you continue just to make yourself known to us and that you just give us the strength it takes to tell our testimonies to those who need it in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, how good was that? Dude, I legit felt like I didn't look up once because I was just like so many notes I was writing down. I'm going to seriously do my best to like jam through a couple of things that I like I could not move on without repeating. Can like slide team, can you guys just be, I'm going to start calling you the slide team. You just earned yourself a new name. Uh, go, go to that point, uh, go to that point one. Who are you, who are you paving the way for? Who are you paving the way for? Uh, where's the seniors in high school? Yeah. All right, you guys, can I tell you, you might look around this room and say, oh, Pastor Corey's the leader, and Amber, and Johnny, and Sky and Josie, and Grady, and, and Jocelyn, and Abby, and the Sims, and the, the Duns, and you see all these adults, they're like, oh, they're the leaders, right? So they're the leaders, and can I tell you, like, we really, like, you are the leaders. You are the leaders. We we can speak life into culture, but you seniors in high school, you're dictating the culture. You create the culture. Because the, the younger high schoolers and the junior hires, they're looking to you as the juniors in high school. 2020? <laughs> Class of 2020. That's so weird. So weird for me to hear. Uh, 
you guys, juniors, seniors, you guys are paving the way for those behind you. Who are you paving the way for? Who's around you? Who's looking at you? Who has younger brothers and sisters? Can I tell you, like, I'm answering this question for you right now. It's them. That's who you're paving the way for. It's them. And can I tell you right now, if you go party, they're going to go party. You know, you know, you know get, take a wild guess on how I know that. Because my brother went and partied, so I went and partied. I look at Chandler's story, and can I tell you, can I tell you tonight, when she said, if you have a family that you can worship Jesus, you can live for Jesus within that family, that's a blessing. Can I tell you, that is a blessing. I did not have that family, and it's a blessing. And maybe you're like me, and you don't have that family. Do exactly what Chandler said. Fine, cool, great, fantastic. Be the first. Be the first. If you're not the first, then be the second. Then be the third. Then be the fourth. Then be the fifth. Then be the sixth generation. Be the seventh generation. But you're paving the way for someone. What type of path are you trying to pave? The next point, next point that she went to was, um, was have the audacity to say no. Aud Everyone just shout audacity. audacity. Like I heard some people wanting to say the word like, audacity. That's good. I just want to say the word audacity. You know what this word audacity means? The, the image that we kind of get for this word audacity is like a, uh, it's like a bulldog. And one, something about a bulldog is when you, when you play tug of war with a bulldog, that bulldog will not let go. It's not letting go. We have Boston Terriers, which are like a, a cousin to bulldogs, and I will play tug of war with my Boston Parker, and I will literally, whatever I'm holding, if I'm holding a rope, I'll grab it, and I can literally pick him up with it. He's not letting it go. He's like, there's no if, ends, or buts about it. It's not happening. That's the image we get for this word audacity. Have that attitude when it comes to compromise and say, uh-uh, I'm going to hold on to the word of God. I'm going to hold on to the life that he's called me to. I'm going to hold on to the things he's called me to. And you are not going to be able to shake me from it. Enemy, throw what you want at me. It's just not going to work. Friends, like everyone around me, I love that, that Chandler talked about this idea. You can live a different story than the narrative you're surrounded by. All your friends might be doing something, your family might be doing something, everybody else might be doing something. You don't gotta live that story. You don't gotta give into that. You can have the audacity to say no. You know how I know you can have that audacity? Because here's a 16-year-old girl who's had that audacity and who's lived it out. Have the audacity to say no. So good, the last, um, the last point she brought up was repentance doesn't mean repetition. Those are, those are a couple of big words, and I just wanted to break this down really quick before we move on to our next speaker. This is, this is what this means. Um, hey, where, leaders in the room, hey, where's all the married people at? Let's go. Come on now. I'll tell you one thing, being married is way cooler than being single. I'll tell you that much right now. I'll also tell you this, gentlemen, we for sure get the better end of the deal in every single way, shape, or form. We are the... We are the lucky ones, no doubt about that. <laughs> God looked down and saw Adam was like, it's not good that man is alone. He's going to set this place on fire and ruin everything. Let's bring some wisdom into this situation. <laughs> uh, imagine this. Imagine getting, ladies, ladies, can you please just vocally be the, uh, the judge of how this would work out in your marriage? Ladies, imagine your husband says, I do marries you, you go on the best honeymoon you could possibly imagine, and then you get home and your husband wants to try to live like he's still single. This is what it looks like. <laughs> he's like, ah, ah, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll be quoting that one country song so quick. Y'all know exactly what country song I'm talking about, busting out headlights and stuff. Crazy ladies. <laughs> Every single woman has just a little, little dash, dash of crazy. I think God put that in you to keep us in check. It's all right. Hey, this, this is the image that we get. Uh, uh, someone getting married but trying to live single is like getting saved and not repenting. Because you're saved, 
you've made this decision and this commitment and the image that we get for our relationship with Jesus is a marriage relationship. This is the type of relationship we have with Jesus, one that's intimate, it's close, we're committed. But if you continue to refuse to repent, then that's like getting married but trying to live single. See, repentance doesn't mean repetition. Now, no one's saying that, that failure means you're cut from the team. That's not the case. You know we preach grace, 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 grace. But at some point, you have to decide whether or not you're in this for real. You have to decide, am I going to, because you know, you, know uh, you know what the word repentance in the Bible literally means? Literally, this is what it means. That's what it means. Someone farted over there and you're getting away from it as quick as you can. No, the image is a literal 180. That's what the word means. It means a 180, a turning around. So tonight, in a few moments, when you get the opportunity to respond to Jesus, know this, that what you're committing to is that everything's about to change. Repentance doesn't mean repetition. If you're going to let go, quote, quote Chandler them. If you're going to let go, let go fully. Don't let go halfway or like, you know, don't let go and like still be holding on by your pinky a little bit. Like, I don't know. He's so cute. I don't want to break up, you know, but we're just going to stay friends. Yeah, that never works. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to party anymore. I'll only go to like one party a month. If you're going to let go, let go fully. God has bigger plans for you than you have for yourself. Give him the pen. Let him write your story. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for Chandler one more time, sharing her story? Hey, when I got to the church uh, two and a half years ago, this next guy and his amazing wife, the first people that Amber and I actually got lunch with, we went and we got, we went and we got sushi, and um, they're phenomenal. And this guy, like, this dude's legitimately, like, if you've been around, if you're like a bridge youth, OG, like AKA SLC. Uh, come on now. Some of y'all don't know nothing about SLC. You don't need to know nothing. We changed that name real quick. Uh, Student Life Connection is what that stood for. No mas, Bridge Youth. Um, if you're SLC OG, like you know for a fact this guy is just a legend. And I could legitimately take like the next 30 minutes and talk this dude up because he is really, um, he's one of the most selfless dudes that I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, for so many guys in this room, I would tell you before you ever try to be like, oh, Pastor Corey is a really good model for what a husband should look like. Do me a favor and first look to this guy because he is, he is a spitting image of what a godly husband should look like. Um, he has a passion for Jesus like I've never seen. He's got a work ethic like I've never seen. I'll tell you this, I don't think I've ever heard this guy complain about anything. He, he's, never, he's never asked for a spotlight or a stage or a microphone or put me in front of people or make me in charge of stuff. He, his question is always like, hey, how can I help? Anything that I can do? And he's legitimately willing to do anything. Like he is phenomenal in so many different ways. And, and tonight I'm really excited to for you to hear his story because what I love about the two stories tonight is, is they are in a lot of ways completely polar opposite. And so tonight they complement each other so well and they go together so well. I promise you this, don't check out, uh, don't get distracted by the beautiful beard. I too am going to have to stay focused and just make eye contact because it is a beautiful beard. I have to check my, check my heart for envy uh, and jealousy every time he walks by me it is what it is. Amazing man of God about to share his story. Do me a favor, put your hands together, make some noise for the one and only Tyler Bailey. Wow, 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 wow. Thank you guys so much. Um, first of all, I have to deflect all of that straight to God. Because I cannot handle all those compliments. I was over there sweating and crying, and I'm a hot mess now, but whatever. <clears throat> Calm down. All right. So, my name is Tyler, if you didn't get that. Um, before I begin, I want to let Chandler know that she absolutely killed it. And, and that, 
that you, you actually have the gift of preaching. I am convinced, 100%. All I bring is a beard, apparently, so you have me beat. Um, but I have, I have a long story tonight, um, but I'm going to keep it short because I was told to. So before I get into the, the nitty-gritty of my story, I need to give you a little bit of background um, of where I, where I came from. Um, my family growing up, we were born and I was born and raised in Marietta, California. If you didn't know, that's where it was. Um, I am a middle child. Any middle childs in the room? Okay. How about middle but opposite on both ends? Like I have an older sister and a younger sister. So I'm caught right in the middle. Yeah, you guys know. The struggle is real, for sure. Um, my parents, uh, that, Pastor Corey was talking about me being, <clears throat> excuse me, a godly man, uh, a godly husband, that's, I must have got it from my dad, because my parents are absolutely incredible. I'm extremely lucky, and um, I was spoiled as a kid, but I got everywhere I needed without God. My family believed in Jesus, and when I was little, they could take me to church, but there was a point where I said, no thanks, I'm, I'm out of here, and um, that was like elementary school. I had already made my mind up that um, I didn't believe in God. So that's where I started. Um, I actually believed that if there was a heaven, I was good enough to get in. And I, I, was, I didn't know anything about it, you know? And I just thought, if I'm good and there is a heaven, I'm good. I'll be there. So junior high and high school, I had my ride or die homies. Do we have any ride or die homies in here tonight, right? So I had this tight group of friends that we did everything with. And we were all middlemen, like, Grades, sports, whatever it was, popularity, we were just right in the middle. We were never super popular, but we were never, like, sometimes we were down there, but it doesn't matter, okay? The, ch the point is, we were in the middle, and we didn't really have anything else but each other. Um, and we all believed that there was no God. We were convinced. Um, as I got into high school, I realized my number one passion <clears throat> was being a helicopter pilot. Do we have any aviation enthusiasts in the room? A couple? Yes? Nerd on? Totally? So I wanted to be this helicopter pilot, so I did everything in my power to do so. Um, after high school, I had been just in the middle enough to get into college. Do we have any college kids in the room? Right on. Do your homework tonight before you go to bed. It's important. Um, I went to a school called Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. Sounds super smart, but it's, it's okay. But I ended up with a degree in aerospace studies, um, a minor in meteorology, a minor in aviation safety, and a minor in helicopter operations. And all the meanwhile, I was going to flight school. So I became a pilot by the end of my college career, which was pretty cool. But the problem is I wasn't hireable quite yet. So there I was, right? I had this awesome degree. I had all this experience flying, but it wasn't quite enough. Meanwhile, I didn't have God, right? I didn't need him. And um, there are a couple different avenues you can take uh, to get your time built so you can become a hireable pilot, but I chose military. Um, my dad was in the Navy, my grandpa was in the Navy, and naval aviators are the best, 100%. Hands down, okay? If you disagree, I'll meet you out in the park. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so there I was with this mission of getting into naval flight school. Um, when I went home, uh, after college, that summer I made it my mission to get accepted. It took me three tries. It's an extremely uh, overwhelming process to get picked up, but it, gave, it took me three tries and I finally got in. So there I was. I still didn't need God. I didn't believe. I didn't need him. I was doing everything on my own. Um, the first step to becoming a naval aviator is going to officer candidate school. So it's kind of like boot camp but for officers. And it's a 12-week program and it's pretty intense, you don't sleep, you actually iron your underwear. I don't know why I said that. But they're, they're trying to teach you attention to detail. I don't get it, but you know, when it's cold out, we're all good, so. Um, <clears throat> I remember when I got to OCS, I was so excited to get my dog tags. I don't know why. But dog tags are a form of identification that the military uses in case you're hurt or killed in action. And has a lot of pertinent information on it, like your name, uh, your ID number, your branch, blood type. But at the very bottom, it has this one line. And it's really the only line you get to choose. Everything else is obviously given to you. <clears throat> but 
I sat down and I tried to figure out what I was going to put, and it's, it's your religious preference. And so there's this giant list of religions, and I didn't know anything about any of them. And then there was one where you could put your own religion, seriously, like, like 10 blocks, you could put whatever you wanted. And then the very last one was no real prep. And they, they can throw it up on the screen um, if, they can, if they can. If no, So that's what it looks like. All caps, one word. It's a very weird word, but it means no religious preference. And I was 24 years old, and I was excited to click that box. And it is on my dog tag. So the reason they put the religious preference on your dog tag is if something happens to you, they want to treat you with respect um, when, when you die. So they try to do everything according to how they think you would want to be treated according to your religious point of view. Um, anyways, I get through OCS. I'm 24 years old. There I was, right? I have my, my super sweet dog tags. I wore them all the time. And I get to flight school. And the first week of academics, I'm on cloud nine because I've already been through aviation everything. Like, my resume is huge. I should just go in there and absolutely kill it. Uh, first week is aerodynamics. I take the test. I muster the next day. We get, in, get into class. They give me my score, and I had failed the first test. So you need an 80% to pass. I had a 78. I missed it by one question. So the instructor pulls me aside. He's like, Bailey, what are you doing? You like partying? Like, I know you're not studying. There's no way you're studying. You know this stuff. You, you should be flying through this, like no pun intended, right? So he gives me a chance. He says, I'll give you a retest, and I'll see you tomorrow. OK, I guess I didn't have a choice. I returned the next day, took the retest, 100%, nailed it. Next week, we go into second week academics. I already know it. I could stand up in front and teach the class, get to the end of the week, take the test, muster the next day, failed it. Missed it by one question, 78%. So my instructor pulls me aside. He says, Bailey, what are you doing? You partying? You're out drinking? What are you smoking? What are you smoking, man? Come on, you're a pilot. You should be nailing this stuff. I said, I don't know, sir. I just uh, need to study more. And, and the truth was, I, I wasn't partying. There's a lot of partying. Well, maybe I shouldn't have said that much about flight school, but there are a lot of activities that people do to, anyways, <clears throat> the hole just gets deeper. But, uh, but I wasn't partying. I was, even though I knew this stuff, I knew I had to work hard and study hard. And so I was. And after he told me, take the retest, the next day I went in, tested 100%, nailed it. He reminded me that day that there are three strikes and you're gone. So now the pressure is just mounting, right? The pressure's mounting. And the next week, I passed the test. Can I get an amen? Right? So I passed the test. The next week, passed another test. I'm flying, still not partying, okay? Not partying, I am studying hard. The next week, it's navigation. It's a three-hour test, it's a giant map, and they give you all these questions and instruments, and you have to plot your course and, and figure out reroute, weather, what, all this crazy nonsense. The truth is, I used to do that on the daily in college, and then I would go fly those maps. I would actually get in the helicopter and go fly around and not get lost, and I didn't die. Like, I was doing it. But we take the test. I felt pretty good about it. I come back, get my test scores. How do you guys think I did? 78, 76. I missed it by two questions. You guys, 24 years in the making, it all had been ripped away in a single second. Okay? My instructor, he pulled me aside. He said, Bailey, what are you doing? You partying? What are you doing? I know you're not studying, right? But the truth was I was, and I was devastated. He told me the next step is captain's mast, which is like, when you get in trouble, you go to captain's mass, and this one man holds the authority and the decision-making all to himself in his chair. So you have to put on your best dress uniform. You definitely don't show up with a beard like this, okay? You double shave, you go in, and there's a 99% chance, or no, yes, 99% chance I'm going home. But there's that 1%. This man had the whole power of my future uh, in his hands. And so I, I walk in, and I, morning, sir, greet him. And he tells me to sit down, and he says, Bailey, what do you want to do? And I said, sir, I want to fly. And he said, no, 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 you failed flight school. What do you want to do now? And so I was in that moment completely devastated. I didn't quite understand what had happened, 
Um, but I had failed flight school. And the next step for me was being discharged from the United States Navy. I had served one year and I was devastated. So there I was. I'm gonna take a drink real quick. How you guys doing? You guys studying? Oh man, you gotta get that study or you'll end up like me. And if you can't grow a beard, it's even worse. I'm just kidding. Okay, so there I was. I was done, 24 years in the making. I settled into a deep depression. I was literally all alone. I was in Pensacola, Florida. All of my battle buddies, all of my flight friends, they all left, they continued in the program. And I just had myself, I was humiliated to call home. I literally didn't wanna to talk to anybody I knew because they knew where I came from and what had just happened and it was embarrassing. You know, I was ashamed of myself. Um, I started this pattern of work, drink beer, run, drink beer, and sleep. And it was just a repeating cycle of, of just self-annihilation. I just hated who I was and there was nowhere I could do. So I, I found myself running a lot. I was running like 20 plus miles a week. Like that's all I had to do other than work and drink beer, as you can see. And I don't recommend those either, um, especially work. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Lord forgive me. <clears throat> there, there came a time where like two weeks went on and I couldn't do it anymore. I was so tired of running, like physically and metaphorically speaking. I was so tired, I was at the end of my road. All hope was lost and I had not a single person to turn to. Um, but then one day I met a new friend, which was cool because this person didn't know anything about me. So I could start to you know, really um, open up to this person. And it was a, a cousin of an old friend from home, but she was a new friend to me. And we were pen pals via email. It's different than texting. Um, it's better than smoke signals. It's much more efficient. But we started to email back and forth. A couple days went by and, and then she kind of challenged me. She said, hey, so how do you base your decisions? Like, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, I don't know. I just do what I want. And I, I study and I work hard and I run a lot. Like, I got this under control, don't worry. And she said, well, me, for me, I, I love Jesus, and I base all of my questions, all of my decision-making around him. And I, I thought, man, like another Jesus freak. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear this right now, you know? And, and honestly, I didn't, I didn't succumb to her peer pressure. Like, I just, I was like, no, that's how I felt at the moment. I was like, no, that's cool for you, but it's not for me. Um, so I still didn't believe. I was still in my cycle, and it was awful. A couple days later, I had an, an old friend reach out to me. Now, this friend I knew, so I was a little hesitant to pick up the phone, but I did. He called me. I hadn't talked to him in forever. His name's Eric, and I will never forget Eric till the day I die because he had just gone through rehab. Um, knowing him, I, I, I knew that he struggled with addiction, but being apart for so long, um, I didn't know that it was that bad. But he told me, he said, hey, man, I, I'm, I'm sober. And the only reason I'm sober right now is because of Jesus. And I was like, gosh, like, can't you just be sober because you work hard? Like, I don't, I don't need this Jesus right now. But, but it also kind of tugged on my heart because I knew this guy, you know? And if this guy believes in this Jesus, right, and this almighty God, then maybe I should pay attention. And so I asked him to explain it to me, and he shared the gospel. He said, yo, man, like, God is the creator. We all sin. Jesus came and saved us, and you, all you have to do is say, I believe, and, and you're saved. And, and the rest is history. Like, you learn new things about yourself. You leave your sin and your, your regrets and your, your failures in the past, and you move forward. And that's exactly where I was. That's exactly where I was in my life. Um, and so we prayed. I said, dude, I, I believe in Jesus. And we prayed on the phone. The Holy Spirit came over me, and I was saved in an instant. Amen? Right? So 24 years in the making... And I was saved in an instant. It didn't matter how much I failed and how much I messed up. Like, God was there waiting for, him, for me to just turn around and come home. So 24 years, no religious preference. In an instant, I was a uh, uh, son of God, like instantly. Um, so my story is kind of different, like everyone's story, right? Um, but I have two things I want you to take home tonight. I don't know how I'm doing on time, but uh, the story has been told. I am now a lover of Jesus, and um, 
it's been awesome. But I want two things for you. To, if you have your notepad, this is the time to write this down. I want you to write down two words. Stop running. For 24 years, I ran without God. I thought the further I could get from God, the better my life would be. Um, the point is you need to stop running and realize that you, seriously, you cannot do it without God. There's no possible way you're going to do anything without God. Because I've tried. I did it for 24 years. Um, Philippians 4.13 tells us, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Right? So Christ gives us the strength to get through anything and everything. Um, so you need to stop running. A life has been created for you by the man himself who created you. He knows you better than anybody in this room will ever know you. And this man has... He has every answer you need. Every turn you're going to make, you need to seek him um, and put your 100% trust in him. Um, we also need to understand that we all fall short. I'm a little shorter than most. Uh, and we're all born of a sinful nature, so we need God every step of the way. Um, and, and I really, I honestly believe that someone here needs to hear that. I, I didn't see any running shoes, but I know there are people running in this room, okay? And it's not about how fast you can run or what you can do on your own, but it's actually about what you can't do. Because the, the truth is you can't do anything without God because you'll end up in a hole. <clears throat> so, sorry, you need to remember that Jesus loves you. He died that you may have an abundant life on earth. And when our time is up, here on earth, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. So stop running. Write it down again. Twice. Thrice. No. Okay. After being saved, I came home and eventually found this place, the Bridge Church, which absolutely, next to God, has changed my life in amazing ways, right? It was here that I made some incredible friends. I became a part of an amazing church family. I'm not a legend. Like, the legends lived here, and that's why I come here. Um, but it was also here that I began to really understand God's word and really understand how to pray, where to pray. Like, I was a newly converted Christian. I had nowhere to, I, I didn't know what to do, and this is where I ended up. I also learned that men can wear skinny jeans, too. I, <laughs> I'm not on board. They get thinner every year, I think just because of the, the height, but I, I don't know. I'm like a loose fit. Okay, so, there I was. Everybody say, there I was. At 24 years uh, old, I gave my life to the Lord. I was a part of a church. I found an amazing job that always provides. Like, I'm currently, I, I love my job. I love what I do for a living. Um, I'm a contractor. If it's, I, like, rip people's homes apart and then put them back together and they pay me for it, so it's like, it's a win-win. Sometimes I get callbacks, but I'm usually pretty good. I found my wife, who has, <clears throat> um, she's absolutely changed my life, and it was exactly, if, I mean, God knew, like, the pieces were gonna fit, and she is just an incredible woman. She's the most beautiful woman on the planet, and one day, there I was, right? One day we will have a child. We're going to have a family. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> it's going to be good. <clears throat> and the minute, the minute he or she is brought into our life by however means possible, I want to continue to just tell them stories of God's goodness. Every day, stories that I relate to, stories I've heard uh, of people at our church. Just I want to tell them stories all the time because it's very important that they don't spend 24 years with no religious preference. You know, Chandler is, is very lucky and blessed to have the family that, that was able to, to teach her how to love the Lord. And, and I'm so inspired by that. And that's what I want to do. Not to say that my parents didn't, but I was so stubborn. I was just, I'm not having it, okay? But when we do have a family, that's, that's my goal. Um, 
if I didn't have people in my life tell me their stories, those two very short stories, then I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be, I don't even know where I'd be, if I would be anywhere. You know, that's how far gone I was. Um, Psalm 105.1 tells us, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. That's pretty good, right? And let me, let me take it a step further. This word, the first two words, give thanks. We know it in the English language as a verb. Like, you give thanks to someone, you reach out and say thank you, right? But in the Hebrew, um, it actually means make public acknowledgement. So it's very different than how we give thanks. So the way we do that is we share our stories, and we live out a life deflecting glory to God. So, like, my beard and my manhood is, like, deflected to God. Like, we can do that every step of the way, right? I had no idea he was going to introduce me like that. Like, I'm all soft and wet, and it's just really difficult up here right now. Um, but this is why it's important and why it's near and dear to my heart. I'm almost done. This is going to be good. You guys ready? Okay. The older you get, the more you're going to lose people around you. I'm an old man. I'm not going to tell you. I'm 31 years old. 20? That's good. I like that. Amen. But on a real note, in the last couple of years, I've lost friends and family members. For some reason, seriously, the last couple of years, I've had a friend killed in action. I've lost friends to cancer. I've lost friends uh, to suicide. And I've lost friends to tragic accidents that just came out of nowhere. And the truth of the matter is that we aren't promised tomorrow. Pastor Corey preaches that all the time. We are not promised tomorrow, and that is so true. When I hear that someone near and dear to my heart has left this place, I instantly, the first thing I do is I wonder if I'm going to see them again in heaven. Right? And that terrifies me. Sometimes my heart hurts because I think maybe I didn't do enough. Right? And so I want to encourage you guys tonight to do enough, do more than I do. do, do as much as you can to share your stories with those around you. Raise your hand if you know someone who doesn't know the Lord. One person, teacher, classmate, maybe it's a parent, right? It's a brother or a sister. It's scary to me because I know, I now know what happens when you die. I was 24 years, I was ignorant, I didn't believe it, but now I know, and so now I want everyone else to know, right, and to be shaken, to stop running, and we need to share our stories so that those people can experience God's love like we do here on worship every Wednesday night. I'm going to ask the band to come up as we close. Um, so I have two, a couple challenges for you guys. Believers in the room... Are you sharing your stories? Are you living a life making public acknowledgement of God? I'm not talking about it can happen at home, right? But I'm talking about everywhere, like public acknowledgement of God. And if you're not, what's stopping you? Are you afraid? Are you ashamed? Do you feel unworthy? Maybe you think it's just not the right time. But let me tell you, when it comes to sharing your stories... It may not be the right time, but it's never the wrong time, okay? Because what are the chances of those two people from who knows where they were calling from reaching out to me where I was? This stuff just doesn't happen by um, anything other than divine design. Over the past several weeks, uh, we have learned uh, a lot of things. I'm so grateful for this youth. Um, we've learned a lot of things. What's the worst that can happen, Right? It's all about the little steps and even send it. And tonight I want to reverberate that just a little bit more because I'm like a bro, I guess is what some millennials call me. Um, and I use, I use send it like brat, you know, or skateboarding. But, you know, when Kai came up here and he preached send it like spiritually, like with your, your godly life, I, it spoke to me. And so I want to challenge you again tonight just to send it, share your stories. Um, as a believer, one of the most powerful things on earth that you can do is share your story. Whether it's a short story or a long story, maybe it's a testimony, or it's just another way you've seen God move in your life. Um, like I said, if it weren't for those two very short stories, I would not be here hands down. So, I'm going to close with a one-liner. 
and then we're going to pray together. Is that cool? Get your note pens out. Or your, your fingers for your phone. Long story short, without God, you will only run into failure. And short stories save lives. Right? It's good stuff. And now for those in the room who don't know if they believe, or you simply, were as, you're as stubborn as me and you don't believe, I'm here to tell you that God is real, and he's working in and amongst my life every single moment of the day. I've been there, and you simply cannot do it without him. I did it for 24 years, and you're not promised tomorrow. Can we all bow our heads? I'm about to give an opportunity um, for those in the room who aren't in relationship with God. And that opportunity, like Pastor Corey says, you know, we're going to lift our hands in a moment as a starting point, a physical moment in your life where you came to know the Lord and your life is changed forever. I just want you to think for a minute about all of your failures, all of your shortcomings, all of your bad grades and your bad relationships. And I want you to just put them in a box. Kick that box away. Just kick it away. We're about to give that box to Jesus. And you're about to start fresh. You're going to start a new life. Maybe those in, are, are in the room, um, you, you've known Jesus, but maybe you've been running a little bit lately and you want to come home. Now's your chance. We're going to pray together. Uh, Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's keep it simple. We're going to pray together. We're all going to say these words right out loud. But before we do, I just, I'm going to count to three. And on three, if that's you in this room and you want to stop running and you want to give your life to Jesus, I just want you to put your hand up. Just as a physical starting point for your new chapter, your new journey. On three. One, you're not promised tomorrow. Two, now is your turn. Three, everyone in the room, hands going up everywhere. It makes me so happy. It, it truly does. We'll give you guys a moment to just really soak in this start to your new chapter. You can go ahead and put your hands down. Wow, this is incredible. So we're all going to pray out together, right out loud, right where you are. Say these words, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sins and rose from the grave. I ask you for forgiveness and a relationship with you. And from this moment forward, I put you as the Lord of my life. In all my days, I will seek you for direction seek you for purpose and and live my life according to your will for me thank you for loving me thank you for forgiving me i pray all these things in jesus name amen amen thank you guys wow if if you made that commitment i just want to say i love you and jesus loves you and i'm very excited to see what happens um, in the next days of your life. Thank you guys. Thanks, man. And one more time, can you give it up for Tyler sharing his story tonight? For those of you who just raised your hand, can I tell you, um, maybe that was the first time you made that decision and you didn't have a God story before, you have a God story now. And some of you might have just raised your hand and you thought to yourself, well, like, yeah, this is really cool. So then in, in, I'm trying to do the math, 24, you're 31, that is seven years. It is what it is, guys. I'm a youth pastor for a reason. You might be thinking, cool, so in seven years, I'm going to share my story. Now you got someone you need to share your story with tonight, tomorrow morning at school on Friday, this weekend. There's a guy in the Bible named Saul who was on his way to a town called Damascus to kill and imprison Christians. And then he got saved. And three days later, he started preaching. And he was one of the reasons why the, the church spread throughout the known world. Can I tell you, if you just raise your hand, you don't gotta wait. 
What's there to wait for? You just made the best decision of your entire life. And it's a decision that's gonna change everything. Hey, in this attitude, no one distracting anyone, would you stand to your feet? Would you head to the front? There's one more thing I wanna challenge you with before we move into worship and we conclude the night. We're almost done, we'll be done before you know it, we'll be out of here, ready to go. Tyler challenged us with something. Um, he challenged us with this thought. Would you stop running? Would you stop running? Some, can, I just, um, can I just say a lot of people just raise their hands, a lot. A lot of people just raise their hand and say, I'm done running. But for those of you who are believers and something happened in your life and maybe you lost a loved one and you're like legitimately mad at God, you're angry, can I just encourage you, stop running. Would you just bring all of that? Bring, yes, bring your questions and bring your confusion and bring your hurt and bring your anger and bring all of that. Just bring it to God and say, God, I'm just, I'm not gonna run from you. I'm gonna run to you. Now here's the next question. When Tyler asked, how many people know somebody who doesn't know Jesus? And just about every hand went in the air. I wanna ask you, who was the first person that came to your mind? Think about it. You just got a face, you just got a name. You just got a face or you just got a name. You're thinking of somebody right now. Can I just say, I think probably that's the person God's calling you to share your story with. Short stories save lives. Some of y'all look at the Bible and you're like, that is a very long story. I don't think I could tell this whole story to somebody. Cool, you got a really short story and it might save someone's life. Tyler said two people shared their story with me quickly, short, and I don't know if I would be here today if not for those two people's stories. Catch, catch what he's saying. I don't even know if I would be here to share my story if not for somebody else's story. So kind of like Chandler said, I guess those people's story paved the way for Tyler's story. And now Tyler's story just paved the way for some of your story. So whose story is, is yours gonna pave the way for? Who's that person that you were thinking about when you rose your hand? You don't gotta know the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Some of you didn't even just get the reference. That's, that's the first and the last book in the Bible. That's cool, it's fine. But you know your story. And guess what? You know your story better than anybody else. So I dare you. I dare you to go share your story with somebody because you never, ever know that there might be someone like Tyler who is at their wit's end, diving into a vicious cycle that just goes deeper and deeper and darker and darker. And your story, listen to me, your story, it might be the game changer. Would you share your story? Hey, all of this place, if you're comfortable, I'm going to pray for you. Would you lift your hands before we go into worship? God, I pray that tonight that you would show up in a real way, in a tangible way. I pray, God, that tonight as we worship you, those who need change, you would change everything in this moment. God, I pray that as we worship, we would do spiritual war warfare on behalf of the people that just came to mind. God, would you do what only you can do in this place right here, right now. Change everything. We're not content. We're not satisfied with how things are. We want more of you in our lives, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our friends, in our schools. God, in this moment, right now, would your Holy Spirit come? Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him tonight, Bridge.